Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Well, good morning, Severn Runners! I'm not going to lie to you. I, I've heard a lot of hooping and hollering out here tonight, today. Um, here, here's the deal. Now, now you know, like, he's not from Maryland. He said hooping and hollering. I hope I don't change your enthusiasm at all, okay? You're excited this morning? Good. Good. How many of you in here, you are, um, you are news junkies, fellow news junkies like myself? Do we have any... Thank you. There's more of us in, in this round than there was in the last. We're going to start a support group. We're good. Uh, but I'm not, as, I'm not as much of a news junkie as I used to be, um, but uh, I, I love knowing what's happening. I love what's, what's going on all the time. However, I will say this. Right now, it's a little bit hard to, to watch the news. Anybody having that experience at the moment? Well, a lot more people raised your hand. Than, you sit, than admitting that they were news junkies. It just is. It's harder to watch the news right now because the reality is um, there's this thing going on. It's called um, the presidential election cycle. Anybody heard anything about that? I mean, you, 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 maybe you've noticed what, what is happening. Um, yeah, there's these people. They're running for president. Uh, let's face it. Running for president, it's all about who's in charge, isn't it? It's all about who, what party, what person wants power. Am I right? So I thought maybe Jesus might have a few things to say about power. And, um, but let's first look and see what some world leaders and some thinkers have to say about power. I want you guys to help me out today. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Our first audience was crazy stinking smart when it came to this. But I'm going to, so no pressure. You don't feel pressure, do you? Uh, so what I'm going to do right now is we're going to put some quotes up on the screen. These are world leaders, world thinkers. Tell me who they are. Is It is better to be feared than loved if you cannot be both. Anybody know who said that? Anybody? Oh, my God. Somebody just nailed it down here. Who did it? Oh, yeah. Like, just admit, you're smart. <laughs> Machiavelli. Here's another one. Power does not corrupt. Fear corrupts. Perhaps the fear of a loss of power. Anybody know who said that one? Oh, yeah, you guys are killing me. <laughs> At least the first service was smart enough to Google it. <laughs> huh? Anybody know who this was? John Steinbeck, my favorite American author. Anybody know who John Steinbeck is? Okay, just check it. Here's another one. The measure of a man is what he does with power. Seriously, what makes the 930 audience so much smarter? I don't understand. <laughs> Anybody, at least use Siri or something, people. Here we go. Let's see what it is. Plato. I can't believe you have not memorized Plato. How dare you? He's been around for a while. Here we go. Here's another one. We know that no one ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing it. Anybody? 
Now you guys are just nervous. You're just really scared, aren't you? Seriously, no takers at all. Siri, help me. Still no takers. Here we go. George Orwell, 1984. Little book. You might want to check it out sometime. You didn't read it in high school. One more. As a Christian, I have no duty to allow myself to be cheated, but I have the duty to be a fighter for truth and justice. We can all give that one a hand, can't we? You should have Googled it first. Now you're going to think twice about what you know, aren't you? Man, these are what some world thinkers and leaders have, have thought about power. Here's the question I, that I would ask is that when you think about the, an individual who has the qualities of power, what are some words that come to your mind? Help me out, folks. This time, it's your opinion. You don't have to know history. You're good. Okay? Help me out. What are some qualities of some people that you believe, um, you, some qualities of people that, that hold power? One word, throw it out there. Don't be scared. What's that? Influence. Influence. Okay, there we go. Influence. Integrity, I heard. Hopefully we're not referring to the last quote. Charisma. Charisma, positive. Somebody said empathy, but then I'd have to sound that out and spell it, so I'm just not going to. Uh, majestic. Man, what kind of leader are you looking for? <laughs> What's that? Experience. Since when does experience matter? <laughs> inspiring. Okay, one more after inspiring. And I heard ambition. <laughs> I said one more after. <laughs> There's a lot of ideas of, as to what power is, isn't there? There's a whole lot of ideas that, that, that exist out there. And so I thought that we would just take some time this morning uh, to help us all out. And, uh, I mean, how many of you, you'd like to achieve some power in this life? Now you're scared. After I put the Adolf Hitler thing up there, you're like, I ain't going there. Here's the truth. Some of us, we would like to achieve some power. And uh, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and, and let me just unveil it for you. Let me just go ahead and unveil you um, one of the mathematical equations that you can use in life in order to be able to achieve power. The first part of that equation would be known as resources. Resources. Now, this is good because all of us were born with some resources, right? In some way, shape, or form, we're, we are all born. If we are breathing air, then we have some resources that are available to us. Some of us, we're just like stinking smart. Anybody want to admit to that? Look at this. You guys need some self-esteem. But some of us are stinking smart. Some of us are strong. Look, I ain't scared to show it off. 
Some of us are strong. Some of us, we've got like incredible good looks. And because my wife is not here, I can just go ahead and say some of us are the whole package. <laughs> She's not here to protest. Don't let her know I said that, okay? Uh, but we're all born with some level of resource. There are, there are things that, I mean, let's face it, some of us, uh, we're born with a certain amount of money that our parents are able to uh, pass on a small loan of a million dollars or whatever it may be. Uh, Whatever it is, listen, we're all born with, the, with certain capabilities that we have control over. And then as soon as we take these certain uh, resources in order to gain power for the rest of our lives, guess what we're trying to do? We try to gain more and more resources. We try to acquire more and more. In fact, history is ripe with examples of this, is it not? If you really think about most, most wars, I won't say every war, but if you think about most wars that have been fought, most wars from a historical perspective in some way, shape, or form have been fought over resources. Whether it's water, whether it's oil, whether it's diamonds, whether it's gold, whether it's land, whether it's wood, it doesn't matter what it is. Oftentimes, most wars are fought over resources because if we want to gain power, and let's face it, we do, we're human beings, then we've got to acquire more and more resources. In fact, think about one of the worst examples in American history. Slavery was about resources, wasn't it? It was about control, and it was about the worst form of resources. It was about the control of other human beings actually becoming individuals' property. But the worst part about that is the fact that that is not even the worst slavery that's ever taken place. We have more people that are in slavery today than have ever been in slavery before in all of world history. Because we as human beings think that we can own each other. But it's about resources. Governments are about resources, right? No matter what form of government that you would go ahead and say that, hey, listen, you believe in or you belong to, communism is about resources. It's about gathering all the resources for the people. Um, imperialism is about gaining all the resources for the crown. Uh, capitalism is about raising all the resources and then letting each person own their own resources. And then he who gets the most resources wins, no matter how you cut it. The human experience and the first part of the equation of power is about resource. We always want to gain more. We always want to get more. Our lives are also ripe with examples of that, aren't they? When it's all said and done, we've chosen the neighborhoods that we're going to live in, haven't we? You probably chose the neighborhood that you were going to live in based on, number one, the house. Based on, number two, the fact that their neighbor was going to keep their yard up. So that your house's value would be greater. Number three, so that your kids would go to the right school so they would get the right education, which the right education is, guess what, another part of the resource. So from the moment that we get started in this entire thing called life, we are in this quest to gain more and more resources. The cars that we drive are all about status symbol to some degree. They're all about, look at me, I have acquired the right type of resources to be able to have the right type of power. And then, even the clothes that we wear. It's interesting, I kind of grew up in a Christian school, and uh, as a result of that, um, I had to wear, back in those days, there were only two schools that had uniform requirements. Those were Christian schools and private schools. Public schools, for the most part, did not. 
Um, and so I had to wear uh, uniform to school. Now, most public schools, even in our region, they've gone to that, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but my kids, they have to wear uh, uniforms to public school. Uh, but I had to wear a uniform. It was dark red, polo shirt, and navy khaki pants. Can I just go ahead and say, I've got a problem with uniforms. It's about style. It's not about substance. Nobody should have to make their child wear that, I'm just saying. To this day, I still reject it. It's still just this, this awful idea to me. And now my kids, here they are. They wear uniforms. And the whole idea behind uniforms is this. And you, we've got educators, and I know you might have a lot of different ideas or views about this, and I would love to hear these arguments at some point maybe. Um, but, but my mom, who was an educator at the time too, um, I, I thought she always brought the best light of attention to that. It's because we wear these uniforms because we want everybody to be equal, Right? We want everybody that we're going to come into class and then clothes are not going to be the focus of it. Everybody's going to be in an equal playing field. We can all sit down. We can all learn together and we can all grow together. And man, it's a beautiful theory. There is so much that we do in human life that's beautiful theory. But my mom, she used to always say, she goes, it's amazing that kids, no matter what their age, will always find a way to outbest the other kid. Because... If they have to wear the same shirt, if they have to wear the same pants, they will not wear the same brand name shoes. They will, the ladies will not wear the same jewelry to class as the other girls. And there will always be a way, as human beings, we will always find a way to outbest one another. We will always find a way to gain power with our resources. We will always find a way to say we're better than you because of what we have. But that's the first thing that you need if you're going to gain power. You need resources. The second thing that you need is that once you've developed some resources, then uh, you get to, to add to that position. And once you have resources plus position, then you have a thing called power. You have a thing called power. From a young age, we desire to achieve the next stage of power, don't we? I mean, my little girl, she is, by the way, she's the sweetest, most beautiful thing that's ever hit the planet, but that's beside the point. My little girl just turned five years old in May. And even though she's the sweetest, cutest little thing that ever hit the planet, I got news for you. When she was four, you know what she wanted to be? Five. Because five matters. Right? I mean, seriously, five is when you've arrived. So that's what she wanted to be. She wanted to be five. I give her two months, and guess what she's going to want to be? Six. And then I'm going to say, stop it. Right? No matter who we are or what we are as human beings, we just always want to constantly go to the next stage because the next stage means a, a, the, the next position. It means that once we get there that we've arrived. When we're in elementary school, we want to go to middle school. When we're in middle school, we want to go to high school. How many of you um, high school graduates out here recently? See, I got you, didn't I? <laughs> I got you. Everybody's like, I graduated high school. Now, I mean like the last couple of days, people. We got, a couple, we got several uh, high school graduates up in here. You know what? It's like to be in high school and to be graduating. It means I get to go to college. 
Never have to see mom and dad again. Except when I want my clothes done or laundry. Or money. Right? We always just want it. We want to go to what's next. Then from college, we want to go on to our job. Then we want to find the right person. We want to get married because that's going to give us a certain amount of status. When we get married, then we want to have children because now we've reached another level of status. And then we're going to like get promoted. Ultimately, one day, we're going to be this big uh, business owner and or CEO or very um, accomplished in whatever uh, calling it is that we feel like that we're called to. And then it's awesome because at some point in all of this, Constantly trying to get to the next stage, constantly trying to get to the next position, constantly trying to get to the point of the next spot of power, we look back and we say, oh, wait a second. Life is gone. Now what? Life has passed me by because there's no more position to get to, because there's nothing else to achieve, because there's nothing else to get done. And as a result of always wanting the next position, we come to miss out. Because positions to hold run out. Don't they? So this is one equation of power. This equation of power, resources plus position equals human power. And this is what we constantly watch everybody try to achieve around us. This is where everybody wants to go. This is what everybody wants to do. The problem with gaining human power is that gaining uh, power this way means that we're doing it through resources, and guess what? Resources are unsustainable, aren't they? Resources leak out of our bucket of life. How do I know this? Because I'm probably in the same boat that you are. Isn't it awesome to work for two weeks or a month or whenever your paycheck is scheduled and you get that big lump of sum of money in there? right then, like there, and you're like checking out your bank account on your app, and you're like, I'm rich. For the next 48 hours. <laughs> I got money. Let's go have some fun. For 48 hours. Because guess what? You gain all those resources, right? You work all that hard all the way throughout the week. You do everything that you can. And then the, and then the, the, the paycheck comes and it all goes away quickly, doesn't it? Because resources are unsustainable. There are not enough resources ever. It was once asked of John D. Rockefeller, hey, listen, how much more do you want to make? He said, just a little more. It was John D. Rockefeller. Keep trying to convince my parents that I was robbed at the hospital and that I actually am an heir descendant of the Rockefellers. So far, that has not worked out for me. Resources are completely, totally unsustainable because we always need more. The problem with gaining power via position is the fact that every position is temporary. Did you hear that? Every position is temporary. You are not the only person that will ever hold the job that you have. You are going to retire, resign, or die. That's helpful, isn't it? But one of the three things are going to happen, and then guess what's going to take place? Somebody someday will have your position. They will have your title. They will have your job. Because every position that we can possibly have inside of this life is only temporary. 
I think about what it might mean to be the leader of the free world, the president of the United States. No matter what happens, you only get it for eight years. And then what? You go from being the most powerful person on the planet, possibly, by some people's arguments, to doing nothing more than writing a couple books and making some speeches. Every position is temporary. There's a problem with human power is that it runs out. It's not all sustaining. It's not totally there. And ladies and gentlemen, can I just go ahead and tell you, that's why I love the life of Jesus. That's why being on the road with Jesus matters so much. Because as we've walked through Matthew together this year, what we've been able to see is that Jesus' life is really about what real power is supposed to be. That Jesus' life is the ultimate example. In fact, we've seen him do a lot of things up until now, haven't we? As we've journeyed through Matthew together, we've seen him heal the blind. We've seen him cure the lame. We've seen him walk on water. We've seen him do lots and lots of amazing things. But these are not the things that he does that make him powerful at all. And Jesus understands that. And that's why when we arrive today where we are in Matthew chapter 12, Beginning in verse 15, I think it's one of the most exciting passages that we get to look at. The reason why is because if you look back through the Psalms, the Psalms say some beautiful things that really make you think. But there's this little phrase that shows up in a lot of the Psalms, and the, and the phrase is selah. It's a Hebrew term that basically means pause and just think calmly. A lot of stuff has been dumped on you, and what, and what you need to do right now is just think about it. Don't try to read farther. Don't try to do more. Just think about what it is that's been dumped on you. And when I look at Matthew chapter uh, 12, beginning in verse 15, these next few verses that we're going to explore together, these are verses that tell me that Matthew is looking and saying, I, everything you've learned about Jesus up until now, I just want you to stop. I want you to pause. And I want you to think calmly about him. Look what Jesus Look at this in the life of Jesus, beginning in verse 15. But Jesus knew what they were planning. So he left that area, and many people followed him, and he healed all the sick that was among them, but he warned them not to reveal who he was. I'm going to say that again. But he warned them not to reveal who he was. Does that sound like anybody you know running for office right now? Doesn't matter the party, doesn't matter the person. Like, I mean, achieving human power is all about, look at me. Look at all the great things that I've done. Look at how awesome I am. Look what I can do for you. I am incredible. If anybody had the right to stand up and say he was incredible, it certainly was Jesus Christ. Am I right? I have not seen one person running for office walk on water. I've heard them claim to, but I've not seen it happen. I have not seen great and incredible miracles that have taken place as a result of their lives. What I have seen, though, is the fact that Jesus is sitting here after he's done all of these things. He's looking and saying, do me a favor, go out, don't tell anybody about me. I don't want billboards and I don't want, I don't want TV commercials. I'm fine just the way I am. And this fulfilled... This desire, this humbleness of spirit in Jesus, it fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant who I have chosen. God is speaking 
of Jesus in this way here in Isaiah. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him. And he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. Man. Like, I can think of a lot of human power people that could take that to heart, huh? He will not crush the weakest reed or put out the flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice. He will cause justice to be victorious. And his name will be the hope of all the world. After everything that you've seen Jesus do, after everything you've seen Jesus perform, think about this deeply. This is Jesus' power. This is not human power. This is Jesus' power. When you think about Jesus' power, What are the words that come to your mind after reading these passages? Humble. Godly. Selfless. What's that? Servant. Love. What else? What? Grace. Forgiving. Compassion. And the last one, honesty. So crazy, isn't it? Look at that list compared to that one. Look what we came up with when we talked about Jesus' power versus when we talk about human power. Would you believe that there's also a formula for Jesus' power? It looks a whole lot different than the formula for human power. Human power is resources plus position, but the formula for Jesus' power, look what it starts with. It starts with identity. Look at this. Go back to Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 18, as God talks about Jesus. As he prophesies about Jesus, look what he says. He says, look at my servant who, look at my servant who I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. Jesus starts with the fact that he is the Son of God. That's all he needs. Once you are the Son of God, once you are the child of God, you don't need any resources, do you? So I'm going to say something to you today that I hope does not offend you, but I hope it seriously makes you think every single individual that's sitting in here today is created in the image of God. You'd agree with that, huh? But I do not know every individual in here today. I do know that if you are alive, if you are breathing oxygen, you are created in the image of God. But just because that is the case does not mean you are the child of God. Now you you might get offended, right? 
Like, how dare you say I'm not God's child? No, because here's the reality. Uh, as we were all born into this world, God gave us this thing called a free will. And as we were born into this world, we got to choose to whether, whether we or not we were going to be adopted by the God of the universe or whether or not we were going to go our own way. And I know something for a fact. Every single person here today, including myself, has chosen to go the wrong direction. We've all made a non-God choice. Every single one of us. If you want to go ahead and admit that, hey, listen, I've never made a non-God choice, you can raise your hand. I would not suggest you do that. Because then at that point, you're implying that you're perfect. And if you are perfect, then you are not humble. And therefore, you've made a non-God choice. See how easy the logic works? We've all been there. We've all failed. We've all messed up, haven't we? If you do not believe that about yourself, ask your spouse, ask your children. They will let you know. We've all made that choice. But here's the most amazing thing. Because Jesus came and lived and did what he did, because Jesus was willing to die on the cross for our sins, because he was willing to shed his blood as payment for our non-God choices, which is sin, because after doing that, he rose again from the dead, proving that he is a capable and very living leader as a result of all of that, then we have the opportunity to be adopted away from our non-God choices back into the family of God. I mean, surely there's a couple of people in here that are excited about that fact, huh? We have the ability to be adopted. Jesus paid the adoption fee. He paid the adoption fee. And if you're here today, and you are created in the image of God, but if you're here today and you're not yet a child of God, then the adoption fee has been paid by he who is most powerful. And you're welcome to join him in his identity as a child of God. And you're welcome at that point to take on the first, the first level that's necessary in the equation to have Jesus' power in your life. We need identity. Because guess what? When we've got identity, when it's all said and done, we don't need any. When we've got identity as the child of God, we don't need any more resources, do we? He's the creator of everything. He owns it all. It all belongs to him. It's like cattle on the thousand hills and the wealth in every mind. Like, we don't got to be worried anymore, do we? Because we are a child of the king. We are a child of God. When we were over in Ethiopia just a, a, a couple years ago, and I had the opportunity to be able to meet my Compassion International uh, kid. And if you don't already have somebody that maybe you're supporting that God's laid on your heart, we do this um, every year. We've got plenty of kids for you to be able to sponsor. I would highly encourage you to do that because I went over there, and I met my child in Ethiopia. His name is Coquette. Coquette is one of the cutest little things on the planet, I'm telling you. I love this kid. We don't speak the same language, but I can manage to kick the soccer ball, and he can too, and we were good to go after spending a day together. And on that particular Sunday that we were there, and we went to church, they had asked me to like speak for a few moments there in the church service, and, and um, there's something about Ethiopia. I'm telling you, I love the country. I love the people. It's awesome, but there's just this one thing about the culture that I'm not kidding. It seriously rubs me wrong, and it's the fact that the culture is very machismo. You know what I'm saying? It's very man-oriented. Like, men are there and women are there to serve men and kids are there to, like, sit over there. <laughs> and that just bugs me to death. 
Because in the church of the living God, it shouldn't be like that. But guess what? They're growing and they're learning and, and, and God will change that. But in this particular situation, Coquette came in on this Sunday morning. I'm sitting down as the guest speaker, the guest pastor on the front row. And Coquette was assigned over to his little tiny uh, spot on the front row with all the other kids because the kids sat in a special spot because they're kids. And as I was sitting on the front row, Coquette caught eyes with me. He got up and he ran over to me. And he sat down by me. I was like, hey, buddy, what's up? And he's talking a different language. We don't know, but we're all high-fiving. <laughs> we're having a good time. When all of a sudden one of the elders came over and, like, literally, like, physically started to, like, kind of take Coquette away. And I physically got serious. <laughs> you don't want to mess with this stuff. I grabbed Coquette, and I physically held on. He got the message pretty quick. Okay, look, you're going to have Coquette. You're going to have him. <laughs> so Coquette sat right down there the entire time, and then when we got done with that, um, we, went, we went to a back room to do a, a ceremony of exchanging gifts, so to speak. It was mostly men <laughs> in the back room, and Coquette was peeking through the window. And I looked at Coquette, and I said, come on, let's go. Coquette came running up in there. He sits down by me. Sure enough, one of the elders starts walking over. I was like. <laughs> by that time, they knew I was bad. You know what I'm saying? Coquette got to stay in that back room with all the men and hang out with us for that afternoon. You know why? Because he was my kid. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. There's a, something about the identity of knowing you are the child of God that will give you more confidence than your resources and your position ever, ever will. Jesus had the power to be able to do that. He knew who he was. And then look, look as it goes on. He, Jesus didn't just have identity. He had plus a purpose. There was a reason why he was here. There was a reason why he walked planet earth. In fact, it tells us what that reason was. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. And his name will be the hope of all the world. Isn't that amazing stuff? His name will be the hope of all the world. He had identity and he had purpose. And I can go ahead and tell you that if you are a child of God, if you are sitting here today, you have a purpose. Say this with me. I am not an accident. Now say it like you believe it this time. I don't care what your spouse told you or your mother. You are not an accident. You are here on purpose. God has put a passion in your heart. He's given you something to do. Uh, let me just ask you this. How many of you, you've got a hobby in here? Just scream out just one, just, just what's your hobby? Okay, not at one time. Dude just said Engineering. I am not worthy, okay? <laughs> I am not worthy. Engineering's your hobby. That's awesome, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do after that. Uh, that's my hobby. What do you do for a living? That's, I'm scared. Neurosurgery? Uh, what? <laughs> What's that? Reading. reading, yes, I'm a reader. I love reading. What else? Camping. Camping. Singing. Singing. Basket weaver. There is one in every crowd. 
Here's the thing, folks. Listen, you hear all the, whether you're serious or not about basket weaving, I'd like to just remember that Jesus is watching you. Uh, Here's what I say, no matter what your passion is, whether it's your hobby, can I tell you God's put something, in, God is every hobby that you have. God has given you that passion. He's given you that desire because you can do something for the kingdom with it. I mean, no joke. We need engineering hobbies. Engineering hobbies build buildings that we as a church can come into and worship together in, right? I mean, we need basket weavers. Give me a second. It'll take me a moment to think about what for, but... We need basket weavers because Jesus need basket weavers because he, carry, he had them little boy carry the loaves and fishes with baskets. Okay, I'm going to quit now. Uh, every, everything you do, every desire that God has placed on your heart has a purpose. It has a passion. It can be used for the kingdom. Some of us, we need to go ahead and, and quit kind of living this dull and this boring life and realize that we've been put here on the planet for a purpose. There's something that he has for us. There's something he wants us to accomplish. Every part of us can be used for the kingdom, and we need to go do it, church. We need to go do it. Jesus had identity, he had purpose, and those things created Jesus' power. By the way, Jesus' power rises from the dead. Nobody we're going to vote on this November can rise from the dead. He can. He did. Jesus' power has resurrection power. Human power will keep us working to acquire and take more resources and more positions. The problem is there's not enough, there'll never be enough resources and positions will run out of time. Jesus' power needs not to defend or to fight for anything. It only needs to acquire and stand for justice, period. Can I go ahead and tell you, Jesus' power is greater than human power. I was reminded this week of how important this is to me because I have three children. My middle son, his name is Landon. He is eight years old. How many of you are middle children in here? Just raise your hand. Confess your sin. Your parents have a special place for you in heaven. The reason why, they're going to be rewarded for not killing you here on earth. Ouch. Seriously. Telling you, I got a middle child. He's eight years old. He was born to care about power. In whatever room he walks into, guess who's guess who thinks he's in charge? My eight-year-old. He is something else. In fact, when my firstborn was born, um, I thought Lawton, he's 10, about to be 11 in a couple weeks. I thought Lawton, you know, he's my firstborn. He's gonna be president of the United States, yeah. Then, but he's very logical, he's very analytical, he's a, he's a deep thinker. We don't want that for president. So, as a result, <laughs> you know, I thought, hey, he's going to make a great attorney general someday. You know why? Because his brother, who's an emotional, pa- power-hungry basket case, <laughs> is going to be the president. <laughs> and, and so, as a result, I'm like, Landon's definitely going to be president, middle child, and he's going to need his brother to be attorney general because he's going to need a great lawyer (laughs) to keep him out of all the trouble he's going to get himself into because he likes power. 
he takes after his mom. <laughs> but I was reminded, I was reminded this last week by how important Jesus' power is over human power. Because I had the opportunity to, to go on my middle son Landon's field trip to the National um, Art Gallery. Four second grade boys I was in charge of at the National Art Gallery. There are millions of dollars worth of paintings on the wall. Four second grade boys at the art gallery. I just, it, yeah, I've always said God will give me a billion years in heaven. Now he's, he's reduced it to like two million because I did this. Here's, here's, the, here's the thing, though. We're standing in one room, and Landon, as he's standing there, I looked through the other room, and I said, buddy, I said, what is that picture? Look at that. And he did exactly what you're not supposed to do in the National Art Gallery. He took off running straight into the other room, ran right up in, in front of this painting, and just looked up. And this is a natural shot. I did not have him pose for this. He looked up. And I was just thinking, Jesus, give him that. Give him that view of what power really is. Daniel and the Lion's Den by Sir Paul Rubin, 1614 to 1616, somewhere around in there. Look at that picture. The lion's mouths are closed. Daniel's not finding his power because he's wrestling or he's fighting the lions. He has not physically subdued the lions. He has found his power because he knows who he is as a child of God. Because he knows who is in control. It's not the lions. It's not our bank accounts. It's not our bosses. It's not our spouses. It's not our children. It's not our circumstances. None of that is in control. Our Heavenly Father is in control. And if we want real power, look up to him and trust him with it. Nobody else has it. Jesus, my, my son, the wild man, know what your power is really about. And Heavenly Father, I pray this today, that I pray that every single person in this room would know what real power is about. God, that we would maybe go ahead and confess and repent if we have been after resources and, and position thinking that if we could just get a little bit more or just have one more promotion or just get to the next stage in life, that maybe at that point we'll achieve power and everything will be okay. God, if that's where we've been, I pray that we'll just confess that before you. I pray, Lord, that we'll say I'm sorry for that. And God, I pray that if we're here today and we don't have an identity as a child of God with you, I pray that in the next couple of moments as our prayer partners join us at the front, that we'd have the courage to walk down here, that we'd have the courage to talk to one of them, that we'd have the courage to say, today, I don't want to just be made in the image of God. I want to become the child of God. And God, that if we need to surrender our lives in that way, that we would do it. But God, help us to operate in your power. It is the only way that lives and the world will ever be changed. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.